0: everybody, this is Sugrat from the Sparking Entrepreneur Show and today we have a wonderful person, Greg Harkaby with us. A leadership and executive and principal coach has coached hundreds of clients from team leaders looking to grow their leadership effectiveness all the way up to CEOs and small business owners through strategic planning and execution to help them grow their business. So without further delay, let's welcome Greg. Greg, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much. Great to be here.
0: Most welcome, Greg. We will deep dive into what exactly that you are doing, like how you are helping mostly your clients. But before that, let's talk about your story. What exactly inspired you to become a coach? How did you get started into this profession? And more importantly, why did you choose this career?
1: Yeah, it's a very indirect path. When I was young, I thought I was going to be an attorney. And I'm the youngest of of three kids and went to College started to realize that maybe law was not the thing I wanted to pursue. My older brother got into the mortgage business and and he actually went to work for one of my best friend's fathers. And I watched his career. And I'm like, maybe I should get into the mortgage industry. Mm -hmm. So I graduated college, joined my brother. We shared a room for the first 17 years. I moved out to college, but we started working together in the mortgage industry, and we just had a really good working relationship. He was a coach at heart. He's actually the founder of Building Champions. But as our careers took off, he then created Building Champions just about 28 years ago. And he's, Greg, come join me. I'm like, "Ah, I don't know that I just want to follow you because you're my brother. I don't know (laughs) if I'm a coach. So I I asked him to coach me. So he became my coach. But I kept seeing all these stories of victories, companies being transformed, leaders growing. And it, it went beyond that. It was marriages were saved People learned how to be better humans. We say something in our company, better humans make better leaders. So the stories of what he was sharing, I'm like, all right, coach me. I want to see that in my own life. And we looked at all these principles. And I started to realize over time that I had always been a coach. Ever since I was a young kid, I actually remember having deep conversations with people who tell me this. I, I would hear this all the time. I'm going to tell you things I've never told anybody before. And I don't know what that was. I'm like, should I be a psychiatrist or a psychologist? And I cared about people's stories, but I don't know that I wanted to go in that direction. I I can walk with people through very difficult times, but I don't know that I always want to operate in difficult times. The coaching industry didn't exist back then. But when I started looking at it and realized even how I approached the mortgage industry was coaching, it was personal coaching with people. So then I made the leap to it and I realized that this was what I was meant to do. And that that was 22 years ago. So it was a weird route. When we started, nobody, if they asked, what do you do? I'm an executive coach. Oh, what sport? They didn't know it was like a business application. So we were able to get started when really, I, I don't think the world understood what we did, but that is how it came. I walked away from a very lucrative career in the mortgage industry, and I have no regrets. It's been amazing. 22 years in, I'm absolutely in love with what we do. Yeah. Because we get to really help people.
0: Awesome. Awesome. That's wonderful. That's the
1: the weird security. Yeah.
0: And how it's going on now?
1: It's great. You know, when I look at how different it is Mm -hmm. today versus it was 20 years ago, even through like, I would say through the pandemic, things changed quite a bit. One of them was just how technology impacts our connection with people. We used to be all phone-based coaching. So you never had a visual at all with your clients. Except for when we do in-person meetings, which were maybe once or twice a year. Maybe it's an executive retreat or some sort of strategy session or team health or something that we do in person. But generally speaking, it was over the phone. When the pandemic hit, I think it forced everybody to get comfortable with video. When I look at even that impact, I would never go back to phone. But I was one of those people that's no way I would never do video with my clients. It's too awkward. (laughs) Technology wasn't up to speed. People are so concerned about what they look like. You're not sure if they're willing to really be vulnerable. But what I found is it's been a beautiful connection. It has its challenges. Yeah. But as far as my practice is concerned, I'm as busy as ever, even with different economies having challenges. The need for coaching has only grown. The landscape's different. We have competition now. We did not have competition 27 years ago. We do now. So it's it understanding what you do uniquely matters even more today. In a pretty big growing industry
0: correct absolutely
1: yeah and do
0: you uh, only do one-on-one coaching or like you have other options like uh, group coaching or any kind of online or offline programs uh, if anybody wants to get coaching from you then what are the uh, options are available
1: yeah one-on-one coaching is really central to who we are we believe that transformation happens through a journey along somebody like over a period of time and in that intimate one-on-one setting. So that's really central to us. I don't ever see us walking away from that. But over the years, we've definitely expanded into group coaching, doing in-person facilitation. We also have e-learning courses. So we've expanded how do we get our content out to a lot of different audiences. But at the Hub, I think we call it one to many. So it's basically anything that's more than one person. We'll do events. We'll do keynotes. We'll do pretty much a a lot of facilitation around team health. But when I look at the heartbeat of who we are, we're a one-on-one coaching company primarily, just not limited to that. What we find is when we do get that in-person time, the combination of whatever we do in-person on top of our regular coaching sessions, it's a multiplier of impact. The results, you basically are going to get further faster when you have in-person time.
0: Yeah, Uh, got it. And since you have 22 years, which is more than two decades of experience, what do you think? what are the most important qualities if anybody wants to be a successful coach that they need to be possess. yeah
1: we were just together as, as a leadership team talking about what we think are the most important qualities of a coach so this is a fresh conversation for us and it's a fresh conversation but the answers might have been the same 15 years ago 20 years ago as it is today one of the things that we believe is it should feel like a calling right that it's not just a job It's something that people feel like I'm here to make a difference in other people's lives. And I believe coaching is the vehicle where I can be most effectively used, positively impact people. So it starts with that sort of just, it's compelling you to go towards this career because you really want to make a difference in people's lives. So you can't ignore that. I think if somebody's just doing it as a job, it's not going to have the same impact. Human beings are really intuitive. Yeah, they can feel when somebody is sincere and care about you. And they can tell when it's about your agenda versus theirs. And I think that's one of the unique things about coaching is we're there for the other person's success. There's no other motive. So whether you call it calling or something else, that's where it starts. You have to passionately believe in helping other people win. Right. So that's number one.
0: Yeah.
1: And maybe that's the heart. When we look at the skills or the competencies, like the ICF, I think does a beautiful job of talking about competencies and skills. And we believe those are all very important. There's something about what we think helps. And this is maybe distinctive to part of our brand offering, if you will, is having real world experience. Our coaches have been entrepreneurs in business, right? We've had success in industry. So we think that's an important aspect of being able to Offer a real valuable exchange as a coach to our client is that we understand the business world and we understand leadership. And that part of it I think is important for a coach to have real world experience. You might have different resumes. Like one of our coaches is he's a an ER doctor, but he understands leadership and teamwork in a way that I think most for profit businesses would really benefit from. So there's sometimes the resume doesn't quite make sense, but then when you understand what their areas of, of expertise and their experiences are, you're like, oh my gosh, that absolutely applies to what I would want to learn, right? So experience, I think matters. And then really under the skill sets, being a highly effective communicator. And I know this might sound cliche because communication, I think, is one of the most important things in, in a human relationship, but highly effective communication, it starts with being able to really listen. And I don't know if this is a skill set, but I, I would almost say it's like the highest level of being fully present. I don't know that we can listen the way we need to for what our clients deserve unless we can be completely present. So everything it takes for you to be completely present, that's the key, all the distractions that happen. Now, there's probably a lot of people like me that are operating remotely and maybe from home and the opportunity for distractions very high. And then your connection with that person is going to be degraded based off of how distracted you are. So you it can't could. really be a good listener without that. Yeah. And from there, obviously, things like active listening, asking powerful questions. But there's this little thing that I'd call it discernment. You can have all sorts of great questions. But if you don't apply them at the right time, yeah, that I- you're not really actively listening. It could be like, oh, that was a great question, but it was so poorly timed. It shows that you're formulating the next thought rather than truly listening to somebody. Yeah. I I don't know if you want me to continue. I can go on probably for the whole podcast.
0: We can do that, but we have a time constraint, so we have to
1: go with very
0: quick. Okay. So you tell us like, how do you make your client accountable while also being compassionate and supportive enough?
1: I love that question. And I think compassion or empathy is really important. I don't believe accountability works without that. So when I was a young coach, I was very zealous about accountability. And I wanted to make sure that if my clients were going to get coached by me, that they took this seriously and they, they would do the work that they said they were going to do. So there was a probably an intense commitment there. But early on, I realized that what my approach could look and feel like would be shame and guilt. And then I found out that I would hear certain feedback loops from my clients Greg, what was it that you were asking me to do? I didn't understand what the assignment was. And it, at that point, in that moment, I realized, oh my gosh, it's because I'm telling them what to mm-hmm. do. Yeah. And if they don't do it, then I might ask a question that might frustrate them. It could come off as not compassionate. Like I'd be like, "What's your excuse, right, <laughs> of not doing something?" And what you would find out is like they had a very legitimate excuse. And that was not compassionate. It was not empathetic. So they had learned how to avoid doing things they might tell me they're willing to do something but they never really owned it the transfer of ownership didn't happen so fast forward to, to figuring that piece out i think compassionately having accountability starts with asking them what do they think would be a next step what's most important to them how do they define success asking simple questions like what would progress look like how long do you think it will take where do you anticipate barriers How would you like me to follow up? So, those are different ways to understand from their view rather than mine what's most important to them. Then, I think that the real important part of it is clarifying what they want to commit to and how they define success. Then, as a coach, you follow up. Mm -hmm. I think it's compassionate to follow up, right? If they said it was important to them, then it should matter enough to you as a coach to ask them, How did it go? Did it go as you thought it would? If so, great. What do you want to do next? If not, how did you approach it? Did you approach it the way you planned to? or did you have to do it? What got in the way? So it's almost compassion is also curiosity, like knowing what does that really look like for them? Yeah. As soon as our clients know that accountability is their friend, rather than this thing that's punitive, mm. that most people will translate accountability. They say they want it, but they'll avoid it because they think accountability is you're going to tell me when I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. That's like the, the measure of last resort in accountability. I like think accountability is very proactive and front-loaded. It's asking the questions in advance what they think needs to be done and then playing through what execution looks like and then following up. That's all front-loaded for success rather than, hey, let's talk about it when it doesn't go as planned because you didn't do what you said you were going to do. That's really negative accountability. So I think yeah. anything that's proactive should be compassionate. Correct, correct. Okay, so I believe you
0: have tons of your clients coaching success stories since you have been coaching like from the past 22 years. Can you please share one example of your coaching client success story very quickly
1: and that should be very close to your heart? That's a tough question. That's asking which one of your kids is a favorite. And I don't necessarily think in terms like that. For me, it's really helping a leader. So I'd rather go general if I can when you see a leader's behavior start to engage others. So the best stories I have isn't the feedback loop that I get from a client, it's from those around them. When their teams are saying, my gosh, this person's leadership is profoundly better. The way they engage, the way they lead, the way they impact, feels like they've really grown. They're hitting a new gear. So I'd rather maybe go in that direction with the answer. you're having a real impact on somebody, When you start to see the behaviors of multiples of other people around them being impacted by their behaviors. And that's a beautiful story. I get to see a lot, but we're human beings. We can transform or we can improve based off of the attention. Sometimes we regress back to our old behaviors. But when you see somebody really transform and the way they think and behave shows that transformation, that's probably the biggest success. But I don't know that I would just highlight one client because there's just too many stories of... of yeah, work.
0: like when you have a lot of... You always think about what story that I need to say. Yeah, I, I totally yeah. get Okay, Grave, you are like documenting your success stories, okay? And you are writing your own autobiography. So how do you
1: name it? That was a great question. And this is just off the top, but it was passionate persistence. And why? why? Persistence has been a theme my whole life. I feel like I've been, as a young child, and over they when they were pregnant with me they thought I was great yeah so passionate persistence my whole life has been about overcoming even when I was in my mother's womb they did not think that it was a viable pregnancy and I was actually scheduled to be terminated because they couldn't hear a heartbeat and obviously my voice today tells you that wasn't true but it Mm -hmm. it impressed on me as a kid that we're always overcoming and we're here for a reason right and uh, throughout college my first career in coaching being persistent has always been a quality that's just been deeply ingrained but being passionate i think or even compassionate is that tied to that passionate persistence applying that to other people being persistent with that being consistent always willing to step in that's just part of it because i deeply want to help people i'm here for that purpose yeah we have to be tenacious being being in the career for 22 years there there's no hall pass. For success today yeah. right so if I, if I let go of the persistent thing i'm gonna probably let go of what the future looks like and i don't want to do that
0: yeah 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 that's awesome and if anybody wants
1: to reach out to you then what are the best possible way to reach out to email is fantastic very responsive on email and also you can check out my bio and in our company at buildingchampions.com. So just www.buildingchampions.com. And then you can click on my bio, but my email address is just greg, g-r-e-g dot Harkavy at buildingchamp.com. So if anybody sends me an email, I will respond. As long as it's not junk email, like we were talking about before, if I sense there's a real human being on the other end, I, I feel very compelled to respond.
0: Awesome. Guys, to make sure you follow Greg, wonderful person with great personality and you can reach out to him by email as well as by tapping his website so that was today's episode of the sparking entrepreneur show thank you greg for being on the show and it was an honor to visiting you
1: today great being with you as well
0: thanks again greg so that said i am your host subrat signing off and you guys have a wonderful day bye guys